Welcome to the Tally Room Podcast. I'm Ben Rowie. Today I'm talking about the Hornsby and Karingai Council elections with Tina Brown, the publisher of the Hornsby Karingai Post. Hello, Tina. Hi, Ben. We're going to start today with Hornsby Council. Hornsby is a conservative area in northern Sydney with a long history of being run by conservative independents. The Liberal Party first ran for this council in 2012 and they won seven out of ten seats on the council at that election. At the last election in 2017, former federal Liberal MP Philip Ruddock was elected mayor and another four Liberals were elected along with him, giving the party half the seats on the council. Tina, do you think the Liberals will keep their hold on Hornsby this year? I do, actually, Ben. I think they're in a pretty good position. Um, Philip Ruddock is quite well respected, uh, fairly prominent, and um, they haven't had a bad run in the past three years. I noticed that uh, across the three wards, A, B and C, we actually do lose uh, Robert Brown, who's a Liberal in Ward B, and the Liberals are putting up female Sally Ann McClelland. I'm not quite sure what her chances are, but for people that are no longer running, and there's also Joey Nasida from the Greens in Ward B, he's not running again. So you've got two seats in Ward B up for grabs. And also um, there in Ward C, um, Michael Hutchins, who's also a Liberal uh, councillor, is not running again. So there's two coming out of the mix. So it'll be interesting to see how how the Liberals fare with the, that availability. So in addition to the five Liberals on the current council, there's two Greens members, two Labor members and an Independent. And actually something that one of the commenters unearthed on my blog in the last couple of days is that uh, Joey Nasida, who is a Hornsby Greens councillor, is actually running as a support candidate for the Independent councillor. I hadn't heard that, to be honest, but it doesn't surprise me. He's very popular. He's very young. He's involved in a lot of the uh, community groups. He's he's very active and very supportive. He's one of the more engaging councillors. So it's actually a shame to see him go, I think, for a lot of the community of Hornsby. Uh, That doesn't surprise me at all. And I I think um, I could see that happening. I I could see him getting back in if that's the case. Now, am I right to think as well it's not as simple as saying there's a liberal group that runs the council and then the labor and greens group that's on the other side i get the impression that um one of the labor councillors is much more likely to vote with the liberals and that independent member also there's a little bit of fluidity in terms of how the council works i think there's a nice healthy respect amongst the councillors in hornsby i feel quite confident to say that um, I think you may be alluding to Janelle McIntosh or perhaps Mick Maher. Both of those councillors have on occasion um, supported what is best for the community, not what is best for um, for their party. And, um, and, and that's pleasing to see because it shows that they're professionals uh, and they're open-minded and that is what serves the community best. Now, what are the key issues in the Hornsby election? Okay, so with Hornsby... Um, what is current at the moment is the redevelopment of uh, two parks, one of them being Hornsby Park, which is a very large 60, he- 60 hectares. It is being built on the old quarry site in Hornsby, in the heart of Hornsby. Very easy to get to once it's done. It's actually a $130 million upgrade um, to put that park in. And it's going to have active and passive recreational spaces, which means it serves both the young and the elderly. Um, so there'll be like some water activities, there will be adventure, yeah, water-based recreational opportunities, but also a canopy skywalk, which looks incredible. I, there are plans out that anyone can see, and they were very consultative in their approach with the community about that park. To me, it looks like a beautiful blend of Fagan Park 
and and almost down the bottom there at Bobbin Head. Very pretty, very scenic. Um, I think that's going to be absolutely welcomed because Hornsby is growing rapidly and um, everyone, I mean, anyone that's driven up the Pacific Highway will see all the units that's popped up, particularly through Asquith. And I think, um, and Waitara has a huge amount of units. I think for families, this is a huge bonus. So that's actually all approved and has already started uh, development. Uh, Wesley Park, I'm pretty sure, is still in consultation with the community. There are a number of things that have to be worked out and it's backwards and forwards, I think, with sporting groups and community groups for the for the Wesley Park. They're the two big parks and I think some of the community groups are the, the sporting groups and mountain bikers and that sort of thing. In Hornsby Shire, there's also been public works underway which are at Asquith on Pete's Ferry Road between Lodge Street and Bovardia um, and there to improve the pedestrian cycling infrastructure with a better environment for all, I guess. Um, cycling is has come up on the on the radar and and people seem to want cycle paths and the council's been looking at that and very active in putting in cycleways uh, throughout Hornsbury and that's been in the papers a bit lately as well. There's the Hornsby Town Centre. The plans are out for that. They're coming out in the future for that, which is for the next council term to debate and work out, I guess, which will address um, calls from the community regarding how the traffic will be addressed, parking, public domains, affordable housing, sustainability, all of those bigger issues, that's going to be a big topic and that's probably going to get tossed around for a while before they decide on how to um, approach that because it is going to be um, the other issue that will come up for discussion will be around the central community business cultural space in the Hornsby Town Centre and it, it has popped up over the years and it will come up again and they need to build something that there's going to be widely accepted and not become a white elephant. So that's mm. definitely on the cards. I'm not sure. I don't have a lot of detail around that at the moment. That's something for the future council. So that'll be interesting. There'll be, I'm sure there'll be debates and <laughs> a lot to discuss about that. There's a lot of developments like that in a bunch of councils, interestingly. There was the Marrickville Library and there's a new uh, Civic Centre and Library in Parramatta. I was recording a podcast about Ride Council. They have sort of similar stuff going on around a new civic centre in Ride. Yeah, Hornsby yeah. Library's just been upgraded. It's due to opening the coming weeks. That was, I think, over $4 million. And um, that looks, the plans for that look amazing. They've, I think they've got it on their website, a virtual tour of the library. So that's all just been done as well. So that's a big plus for um, residents of all ages across Hornsby Shire. Hornsby's looking pretty neat and tidy, actually. <laughs> Yeah, Hornsby's, Hornsby really is, um, it's a very professionally run council. The councillors are respected within the communities and also um, the other issue I know that's popping up at the moment and that's been discussed for some years just on Hornsby before we leave Hornsby is the um, Barara would like a swimming pool. <laughs> so mm. I don't know if that will come to be to be or not, but um, that is that is something else in the background that hasn't come to the fore yet. But um, I think it's a bit of a drive from Barara all the way down to Hornsby to take the kids swimming, you know, especially after school and that sort of thing. That's the only other really contentious thing, I think. And I should mention before we leave Hornsby, just describing what the voting system is. Uh, so Hornsby Council has three wards, A, B, C. Each ward elects three councillors and then there's a mayor who's directly elected. So there's a little bit of proportionality. You've got worse systems, but it's a, it's a pretty standard voting system for councils. 
Also, with regards to Hornsby, it's worth pointing out that Emma Heidi, who is the uh, Greens uh, councillor, will be running for mayor this time. So that'll be interesting to watch. She's very popular, and I wish her well, of course, but I think she probably won't have the numbers to take that out. Karingai Council is probably the most unusual and the most interesting of the big popular Sydney councils right now. Karingai has no formal parties, although a majority of the current council has links to the Liberal Party and only two councillors are elected for each ward, which will be relevant and we'll come back to that. Over the last two years, the council appears to have divided into two solid blocks of five councillors each who have brought the council to deadlock. The current mayor, Cedric Spencer, won the mayoralty a few months ago over his predecessor, Jennifer Anderson, in a 5-5 vote that was broken by pulling a name out of a hat. Tina, what are the actual issues that divide these two factions? Yeah, it's become pretty apparent over the past 12 months that there are two factions. Um, I guess I first noticed it when, for me, uh, publishing an independent paper, I started to see that the character of Karingai started to be um, discussed and debated because there was a conversation around dwelling targets, which it was said by um, the planning minister, Rob Stokes, that they could increase their dwelling targets by, I think it was 3,600 to accommodate the future growth in that council. Um, And at the time, the councillors were discussing going up in building heights around 10, 12 or even 14 storeys, which is actually out of proportion with the character of Karingai and then starts to look more like Chatswood. So this split the council effectively. Um, But before that, I believe there were a lot of um, other little issues bubbling underneath, but I think this brought it to the fore. Uh, Since then, it's been pretty much consistent every month and I have watched all the council meetings that there would be friction between these two groups. You've got two blocks of five, essentially, um, and if they can't agree on an issue, the mayor is able to cast a mayoral vote, and that's been the decider for the whole of the past 12 months, which is um, is just feeling like, I guess, for those five councillors that aren't getting the vote cast their way, they're just constantly being overruled, I feel. I, that, that is their complaint, and that's what's apparent. It's the way that the council is... Um, is run in that sense. It's, it's not unlike, I mean, just having two blocks is quite unusual, five and five. And it's worth re-emphasising when the mayoral vote comes and it's tied, it's basically random. They draw a name out of a hat and then whoever has their name drawn out of the hat effectively has a bonus vote. So that hat determines who runs the council for the next mayoral term, right? It's bizarre. Um, yes, that is, that's the way it is. And I think that now um, it's really been brought into the spotlight because um, there's been so much friction in the past six weeks. Cedric Spencer's name was drawn out of a ballot on the 21st of September. That could easily have gone the other way and we would still have uh, Jennifer Anderson, but we don't. Um, and since that time that Mayor Anderson has come in, things have certainly become very heated. Um, I noticed that they've never seen eye to eye on a lot of issues, Cedric and Jennifer, but it seems to have hit a peak and now they're not actually conducting any regular business or council meetings because they lack a quorum for the last, in effect, eight meetings, which is a large number to the extent um, that now the Minister for Local Government has intervened. What's the most recent intervention from the Minister? Mayor Anderson and two councillors, well, the two councillors were uh, Christine Kay and Peter Kelly, um, put a motion forward to essentially 
discuss the appointment of the general manager. Uh, so uh, an extraordinary meeting was called, uh, asking all councillors to attend so they could discuss the appointment of the general manager. Now, when that came to be public knowledge and the meetings were set, we followed them closely and pretty much they tried, I think it was around five times, to hold an extraordinary meeting to discuss the appointment of the general manager. But on each occasion, Councillor Anderson, uh, Councillor Cheryl Chato, um, um, and there were also, who were the other ones? There was Martin Smith and her, her the, the councillors in her faction basically would not turn up. So it meant that only the only councillors that were turning up were Pettit, Kelly, Nye, Kay and Spencer. The other councillors consistently failed to turn up to these meetings and offered apologies and also um, explanations as to their absences. And those are the five councillors who voted for Anderson for mayor? The, the five councillors I just mentioned, which are Pettit, Kelly, Kay, Nye and Spencer, they are the five councillors that voted for Cedric Spencer. So they are in that faction. Um, they turned up, they wanted to hold the meeting and hear what the conversation was going to be around the appointment of the general manager, John McKee. Now, John McKee has been there for an extraordinary amount of time, like over 15 years he's been in that role. He had recently had a performance review, I think in July of this year. He got above satisfactory for his rating. That was an independent review. And those five councillors still called that meeting to discuss his performance. That led the paper, and I'm not the only one, to speculate that perhaps they wanted to terminate the general manager. So when I questioned um, those two councillors, Kay and Kelly, uh, they were silent for their response, and I was I referred back to Cedric Spencer. And when I questioned Cedric Spencer, essentially he said, look, we have not said we're going to sack the general manager. You know, you shouldn't jump to that conclusion. That hasn't been said we may want to give him a pay rise. Who knows? You know, that's not for you to speculate. And this is a private matter, which it is uh, to some extent. So then this spiral sort of ensued where they kept calling meetings and no one kept turning up to the point where more recently in the last week, they called an ordinary meeting, which is to discuss ordinary business. And still the other five councillors did not turn up. So uh, the mayor feels very frustrated in his attempts to hold a meeting um, because now essentially the other five are not turning up to any of the meetings. And um, and I haven't received a lot of, of correspondence on that, but what has happened in the interim, which is extremely interesting, is that the mayor has been banned effectively from speaking in an informal manner, which means phone and um, text, to the council staff. Um, and the general manager has imposed that, stating that essentially the staff felt um, intimidated and that they felt that Cedric wasn't speaking to them, you know, in a very nice manner. So Cedric Spencer has now been banned from dealing with key council staff and those staff have actually been moved to other locations away from the mayor. That's not great. Um, that, that, that hasn't uh, landed very well. Um, and I mm. since, since, and my most recent correspondence with Cedric Spencer is that, and I'll quote this, he said, here's a guy who found himself mayor and decided to take the opportunity to question the cosy, lazy relationship between the previous mayor and the GM to see if a better performance could be extracted from senior staff at the council. And here's what the senior staff supported by the previous mayor did in response to frustrate the new mayor's efforts every step of the way. I mean, on top of all this, this is when Shelley Hancock, um, the Minister for Local Government, has finally stepped in and said, you know, enough's enough. And she said, um, 
the constituents of Karingai have uh, an expectation that council will conduct business. Let's get on with it. And in the meantime, um, there is to be no major decisions around anything that will be lasting for the next elected council. So they're not really to discuss the appointment of the GM. That can certainly wait. So it just can we just get back to normal and carry on until we get through the next election? I think are her thoughts there. And I'm not sure if they will. There, there are more meetings scheduled, I think, even for tomorrow. Actually, it is Melbourne Cup Day. The, the mayor has said has scheduled a meeting for Melbourne Cup evening. You know, I don't know who does that, but... Um, so he's still pushing through trying to get the quorum. But what will be discussed at that meeting, I'm really unsure now. We're all just left sort of in the air wondering what's going on. It's very bizarre. It's very unusual. Um, you can only speculate on why. And, you know, community groups are eagerly watching and waiting to see what's happening. There's business that's not being heard. Um, and, you know, maybe now it won't be because we go into caretaker mode at the end of the week. The conflict between the councillors is obviously of interest and that's particularly of interest to you as a local uh, newspaper publisher. But from the perspective of what I'm doing here in terms of the electoral, cephalogical kind of angle, what I find really interesting is how the voting system feeds into this, both the way that councillors are elected but also the way that mayors are elected. Mm. So um, two members per ward means you need 33% to get a seat or you need 67% to get two seats. This replaced an old system where it was effectively a ticket where whoever got the first seat would also get the second seat. And so alliances of two councillors would get elected and that was even worse and was abolished. But the new system means in theory, if these two factions were to turn into political parties that were voted in by the voters, which is not necessarily the case, and these parties each ran in each ward, they would each get five, one in each ward, and the deadlock would continue. And it's worth noting that these councillors, there is one member from each faction in each ward. So it splits down perfectly along those lines. Now, I don't get the impression that that is actually how voting is going to work at the election. People don't vote based on these factions and it doesn't necessarily reflect support in the community. No, it doesn't support the community. I don't think it works at all, especially when you compare it to the neighbouring councils. But I think that what we'll see in this election for Karingai is a whole heap of new candidates. And I think it's going to be a golden opportunity for a new for new candidates to come in because, uh, to be honest, a lot of the public have just had enough. They don't actually care about what the issues are anymore. They just want to move on from here and have councillors that discuss business. So I think this is a golden opportunity for new candidates and there are an enormous amount of new candidates that have been put forward for Karingai. Yeah, so it will be interesting to see whether an election resolves this issue and they're all able to move on with a new set of councillors or if the same patterns, the voting system kind of reinforces this factionalism and recreates it maybe with different people, but the same patterns emerge again because it is a voting system that helps reinforce these patterns rather than break them down. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, but for Karingai, I mean, the, the issues in Karingai uh, around policy are around development. There's currently two bowling clubs that are currently zoned as uh, recreational and there's a threat of them being rezoned for residential. Um, one's in East Roseville and one's in Gordon. And that's an issue where community groups are forming uh, and putting their voice forward. Another long-standing community group for Karingai is Support Linfield. That's the name of the community group. They are a not-for-profit, 
Um, they formed in 2012 and they've been supporting Linfield, Kalara, Gordon and Roseville. Uh, their statement is after nine years and $9 million, where is the Linfield Village Hub? Um, and the Linfield Village Hub is something that's been on the agenda, as you can hear, from a very for a very long time. The community got involved because um, originally I believe there was going to be an above-ground car park put in the heart of Linfield, which would have been quite ugly. And then the community group got together and said, well, can we put the, can we put the um, car park underneath ground and can we have on top, you know, some shops and, of course, if you, you know, um, rec- things that are going to serve the community, so libraries, cafes, childcare, supermarket, those facilities and specialty shops. And this, I don't know honestly what is happening with this actual um, project, but it, it it seems to be moving quite slow. Um, and I think that uh, new candidates can certainly use that as platform uh, because it has it has certainly caused a lot of um, contention and divided the council and the community at times. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. I think it's worth pointing out that the mayor of Karingai, although it's currently Cedric Spencer, Cedric's only been the mayor since the 21st of September. Jennifer Anderson, who was the previous mayor up until that date, has actually served six terms as mayor. And um, she is the longest serving mayor in Karingai's 104-year history. That's quite phenomenal. And is she running again? Yes. So she'd be hoping to reclaim that job. Absolutely, yep. It's a very heated and contentious council. She is running again. And um, I don't know if anyone else is running for mayor. I don't. I actually don't know that. But um, I'm really looking forward to, I think it's the end of the week when all the nominations are, are fully known because there's a few I don't know about. There's a few councillors on that council that I don't know if they're standing again. Um, I have heard rumours a couple of them are not. And that creates a, a golden opportunity for candidates and and perhaps to break this split and have some independence because it's so um, heavily liberal. So that's about it for this episode of the Taylor and Podcast. Thank you, Tina, for joining me. Oh, thanks, Ben. It's my pleasure. You can check out the Hornsby Karingai Post at hkpost.com.au. You can find this podcast on your podcast app of choice. If you like the show, please consider rating or reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow The Tally Room on Twitter at The Tally Room or like us on Facebook. This podcast is made possible thanks to the generous support of our donors on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com slash tallyroom. Information about this podcast is available at tallyroom.com.au and you can email questions or feedback to thetallyroom at gmail.com. Thanks to Krista Bro for writing the music you hear in this episode. Once again, thanks for listening.